All right. Um, so anyway, we're, we're very sensitive to um, the fact that some of you may have come from churches where leadership was a little hard. Sometimes you came from wonderful leadership and you're having a really difficult time moving away from that. We get that too. We get both sides. That's why my wife gave her testimony about how much she loved the church she was in and I pulled her over here and it was very, very difficult for her to come here uh, when she was so loved there. But now she flits around and is, um, everybody knows Lynn and Lynn knows everybody and she has adapted so well. Um, but that's why we had her give her testimony because we're sensitive to the fact that some people are really struggling with the church they're leaving because they love it so much, they love the leadership. But others of you maybe have come from churches where the leadership was not so good. That was my case. And it really did impact me. Um, Lynn can attest to this. Uh, it was, uh, I think it's safe to say, you know, PTSD is real. Well, those of you who have been in the military. And it's real for really hard circumstances. It was true for me. Uh, there was definitely that uh, because there was so much involved in that leadership and what it did to me. So when I, when I say I crawled into this church, of course, that's, uh, obviously it's an illustration, but I, I felt like that's what I was. I was crawling in, and I grabbed Jerry's legs and didn't let go for months. <laughs> He's like, He's here again, Cindy. I'm sorry. I, I can't shake him, you know. But I was that desperate for godly intervention. And, and he was that for me. So we are sensitive to that. I am very sensitive to that. Uh, so let's talk about how we're, done, how we're ruled here. We're an elder rule church. Uh, not rural, but rule church, um, which I'll explain later. It seems reasonable that you understand what an elder is if we're an elder rule church, as opposed to congregation rule. How many of you guys came from a Southern Baptist background? Okay, uh, you're familiar then, Chris, with con congregation really votes mm -hmm. and majority rules, right? So we don't do that here. Um, we are uh, run by the elders, but we get input from the congregation, obviously. <coughs> elders are first referred to in the book of Acts. Uh, in Acts 11.30, we read that the church in Antioch sent famine relief to Jerusalem, quote, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders, uh, of all, on all of Paul's missionary journeys, he established new churches and he always appointed elders, plural. Acts 14.23 reads, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they have believed. So elders are also known in scripture as overseers, shepherds, pastors. Jerry used to like the most right reverend. Just kidding. <laughs> I really like that. I want to come up from the, oh, the most right reverend. But overseers, shepherds, pastors. Um, uh, so when I uh, pass out a tract to somebody, I'll usually say I'm a pastor at a church without going into the distinctions between what that they understand. It's just uh, too much trouble to do all that in a, in a momentary uh, com conversation. Uh, elders are to protect, feed, lead, and care for those whom Christ has entrusted to us in this local body. And it's an awesome re responsibility. We know that we will be judged by our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. And just reading that sentence produces fear in my heart. We know that's coming. Uh, we will be judged. And that's why we take it so seriously. We meet here, right here in this room, 
the five of us uh, the second Tuesday of every month, and sometimes those meetings go five or six hours long because there's lots to talk about. We do a lot of member care at that moment. Yes? Once a month, but we have a telecon call as well. Um, if there's stuff we just couldn't get to during that conversation, we'll have a lunch telecon call because Mark obviously can't just take away from work all the time. And so we'll, we'll have an hour and a half call during the middle of the week. But we don't gather, we just do it in Zoom, yeah. So, and you can only imagine five and a half, six hours once a month is not enough for some of the things that we have to cover. Um, but anyway, we do understand our, our awesome role and what, what it means and how, um, how serious, serious it is. And all of us uh, are inadequate for this task, all of us, apart from his enabling. So we would just ask that you pray for us. Um, Please pray for us. And when I have people come to me and say, I prayed for my elders today, I'm just like, thank you so much. I really, truly appreciate that. Because, um, I mean, I've told you this, I have never felt so inadequate as when I became an elder. And it was my son that said to me, you are inadequate, Dad. Get over yourself. Just, uh, just uh, understand that Christ is your adequacy. It's true for all of us. Um, but especially for those in leadership, we are inadequate for this task, uh, but the Lord is adequate, so we trust him. It's important to note that every time elder is addressed in the New Testament, it's always done in plural, uh, which means each church had more than one elder. Uh, the reason is for protection. No man has a monopoly on wisdom, and uh, we need each other. Jerry used to tell me, watch the plurality work. It's a beautiful thing. What was that? My phone started going off. Oh. Uh, anybody I need to talk? No. Um, so uh, it, he was right. When we meet together and there is disagreement and there's talk and back and forth, um, and you may have experienced this as an elder, but um, the back and forth is really important, and eventually there's just this blending of the minds that says, good point, had not even thought of that. And, and then you come together. That's why plurality is so important. Uh, but sometimes it's impossible. My son took over a church in, in, uh, in uh, Austin, Texas. It was a Southern Baptist church. And there was no one who was um, qualified to be an elder with him. And, he, and so I became kind of his outside uh, elder. Uh, he called me all the time and we talked. And he had a couple of pastors in the area. But that's not ideal. Uh, what's ideal is having men in your church, and now he has two others, and they're working on two more. So praise the Lord for that. It just took time. Um, currently, we have five active elders. Uh, Rich Gregory, who I'm sorry can't be here. That's why you should go to the newcomer. Uh, Mark Drinkard, uh, Bruce Scheidhauer, myself, and Jeremiah. Um, and Jerry Marshall, our founding pastor, stepped away uh, from the elder board once Rich came on, um, just a, a way to decrease as Rich increases. Um, and so it was a very humble move, and I've seen a difference in him. He's a little more outgoing, a little more joking, and, you know, he's got a light, like a, a weight was lifted off his shoulders, and it's a joy to watch him interact. He still works hard behind the scenes, mentoring young men and teaching and all that, but um, he doesn't have the daily burden, and that's good. Now, how do we lead? Um, we're going to talk about elders first, and then we'll talk about deacons toward the end, but how do we lead? 
Um, well, as I said, um, those of you that came from a Southern Baptist church, the elders might will come with an idea, but the church then, they have members meetings, and the church then votes and majority rules. Um, and my, my son and I go back and forth on this. I'm like, you need to, you need to, you know, but if you're Southern Baptist, that's just the way it is. So there's no changing that. But um, his argument is if the people are well taught, um, then uh, a member a member rule church can be as effective as an elder rule. Um, I, I don't agree with that, but, <laughs> but um, he's right in terms of shepherding his people. Because if, if those of you have come from that church, been to a membership meeting, uh, Jerry used to say it's just a recipe for fleshly disaster. People come in who haven't been to church in months, and they want to come in to vote, and they've not been invested in the church, they've not loved the people of the church, but boy, they've got an opinion. And we feel like that's the tail wagging the dog, so, which is why we don't do it. Um, and it's... We believe it's not biblical. We really do. We think it's really clear that the, the Lord has instigate, in, instituted uh, elder rule churches. So anyway, we believe in elder rule with congregational input. It doesn't mean we ignore the congregation. Of course not. We've uh, invited a lot of men who are um, savvy in real estate and that kind of thing in, in our thinking through of what a, a building um, and so far, um, these, all the ideas we've had and the o o opportunities we thought were opening wide have shut down. Um, we've trusted the Lord through all that. Uh, I'm, I'm watching Rich uh, and how he's handling this, and I'm, I'm really encouraged with the, with the way he's handling these disappointments. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch, but, you know, it's still, we're, we're looking. But uh, those, those things have been shut down so far. Um, so we make the decisions, but obviously we will, um, we will ask for input in areas of expertise where we know people. You've got to know your people in order to do that, right? Um, that's how you love the church. You've got to know your people. So we bring them in and say, help us with this. This is not our wheelhouse. It's yours. So give us some insight, and we'll try to move forward in a godly fashion. Uh, so anyway, because it is elder rule, it is extremely important that elders are biblically qualified to be in leadership because as the leadership goes, so goes the church. I learned that firsthand in my first church. Uh, that church just really took a massive hit once that guy was exposed. Uh, people were reeling poor. I, you know, I, I had left it long before then, but man, um, the, the damage, the fallout, the collateral damage of, of a leader who... Uh, sins and fails. So it's really important that the elders are uh, vetted scripturally. Um, and that's what we do here. Um, it's rigorous. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so how do elders make decisions? I'm going to talk a little bit more about the character traits of an elder in a minute. But how do the elders make decisions? Well, our primary objective in making decisions is to achieve a unity uh, in the spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, a unity of the Spirit is achieved by the Holy Spirit, informed by His Word, and pursued through prayer. We really endeavor to do that in our decisions. We seek unanimity, and on occasion, an elder may defer to the majority as long as it's not a violation of his conscience. And that's happened, especially through COVID. You know, nobody, who, who, yeah, Jeremiah used to say, didn't get a course in seminary on COVID or pandemics. So we're just trying to figure it out. Should we wear masks? Should, who should we obey, the local authority 
or the, the higher authority, or the, gov the larger governing authority? Where do we, uh, should, we uh, should everyone wear a mask so that those who are really nervous uh, will feel more comfortable? You know, you know what I mean? I mean, you all were going through that on an individual basis. Well, it was rough on our basis. We were really working hard to try to determine what to do. Um, there were some that didn't care. They're like, ah, who cares? You know, and there were older folks. There were people dying, right? It was real. Uh, at the beginning, the Delta variant was, was a real thing. Uh, fortunately, we never lost anybody in our church that was a member. We did lose a spouse of a member um, to the Delta variant. Um, and then it got a little quieter, COVID did. But so uh, what my point in saying that is, uh, you know, there's times, and we had different disagreements on the elder board. Like, you know, uh, no, I think we should do this. No, I don't think we But there was deferment. Um, um, uh, there, there was just this humble, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with you guys. Um, you know, no, uh-uh, that's not the way it is. And, and that's, it was a beautiful thing to watch. It really was. Um, uh, if, if there's a violation of the conscience, and this is on the test that I took to be an elder, what if you just, it, it will violate your conscience? Well, if that happens, um, my, my answer was, and it was the answer that should have been there, was I would remove myself from the elder board quietly. We would make an announcement, Doug would step down um, uh, for personal reasons. Um, now that's vague enough that you don't know if it's health or whatever, uh, but, um, but I would be quiet about it. I would never say a word to anybody. I would not try to um, cause disunity in any way. That's what would happen. It, I, I don't, as far as I know, it's only happened uh, once in our history, and that was decades ago. So it's never happened since then, and I think it was one elder, if I'm not mistaken. I, I may be wrong about that, so I don't want to go out on a limb and say that's a fact, but um, it's very, very rare. Uh, but that's what we would do if somebody really did have a, a conscience issue that, that they couldn't live with if they went along with it, all right? But the vast majority of cases where there's disagreement results in an elder just deferring to the wisdom of the others uh, in humility, um, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, so how does a man become an elder? Well, Scripture gives evidence of the first elders being appointed by the founders of the church. By this example, the existing board of elders of the church will be responsible for the process of selection of elders. It is the responsibility of the congregation to affirm the qualifications stated in 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, and then a few in 1 Peter 5. So let's talk about those uh, in just a minute. Wait a minute. That, um, these, are, these are the first qualifications they must meet. I'm going to talk about the character qualifications in just a minute. So the first qualifications is... <coughs> Uh, are the biblical qualifications of the character that we're going to talk about. The person must also believe and hold to the stated doctrinal positions of this church. Obviously, we don't, even on the secondary and third issues, we want there to be agreement on the elder board uh, as much as possible. We don't want to start out in disagreement, right? Uh, so we try to do that. Um, number three is membership in NCC has to be there for at least a year, preferably a whole lot longer. Um, it's impossible for you to trust somebody you don't know. Um, I didn't become an elder uh, until I had been here um, t 27 years. Um, uh, people had a long, long time to observe my life, my wife, to observe us. Um, so uh, we, you know, but at least, at least a year. 
uh, preferably more. Uh, they must be fully supportive of all existing ministries and committed to faithful attendance in the worship service and in equip. Um, we want them involved. And currently serving in an exemplary manner in at least one ministry at, at New Community Church, you're not going to make somebody a leader who isn't loving the church. You're just not going to do that. I don't care how good they are, how gifted they are. None of that matters if they're not loving the church. None of it. Uh, be affirmed by the congregation during at least a one-month review in which, and this is where we bring the, con the congregation in, we don't ignore them, um, in which commendations or concerns can be raised to the prospective elder first. We'll do it the biblical way. Uh, we're going to have Doug Hayward. He's, uh, he's, uh, we're thinking about him being an elder. Uh, if you have concerns about that, go to him first. If he's not listening to you, you can come to the board, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those things. Mm -hmm. For instance, um, somebody comes and says, I've seen Doug at work. He is not what you see here. Um, and we, we wouldn't know that, um, but they do. And so that would be addressed. All right, um, brother, we had somebody tell us that there's something different about what you do at work than you do here, so tell us about that. You know, well, uh, are they mistaken or you know so that's what I mean so the uh, the the congregation may know things that we don't know um, and then if we look at those things and determine them to be not as important as what the person has brought to us then we'll go forward if not there'll be a pause we'll wait we'll say okay all right let's investigate this so that's what I mean the congregation's involved at that point we get a one month one period a one month period maybe longer for them to, to uh, give us input and go to that person, all right? Maybe, they have, maybe they're at odds with that person. You know, that's another thing, and that's never been resolved. So there are reasons why we do, and so that's why we come to the congregation. That's why we come to you. And then if there are no serious concerns, then we go forward and we make the person an elder. From what we see in scripture, this is a lifetime appointment as long as the man remains faithful to the office. There are occasional reasons for sabbaticals, and we've done this here, where an elder needs to step away and go inactive for a period of time. Health reasons, um, we've had that. Uh, stage of life, family demands, we've had that, where uh, the person is just overwhelmed with where they're at in, in life with their kids and their wife, and they see they see their duties as being um, a problem in that area for, for that period. So they ask, can, can, can I get a six-month hiatus here? Of course. Um, and so they'll go, in, they'll go inactive for a short time. Um, or even step away, stepping away permanently, that's happened for the reasons stated above, um, health reasons. Or, uh, we've had that happen. Um, there's no quota on the number of elders. Um, we trust that God will provide what the church needs. This is not a process that should ever be rushed out of a need to fill a perceived hole. And I've talked to men in the pastorate who have felt compelled to get an elder. We need more elders. We've got to have more elders. And they went ahead and got somebody that wasn't qualified, and they paid for it terribly. So that it's not going to happen here. I, if, if anybody could accuse us of something, it would be being overly cautious because um, we don't want that to happen uh, where somebody's elevated to that position. And once they're elevated to that position, they can cause great harm uh, if they're not qualified and we find out after the fact. So we're, we're, we try to be as careful as we can. 
So let's talk about those biblical qualifications. Um, the first is uh, gender matters. He must be a man. Um, the word in 1 Timothy 3.1 is best translated, uh, man. I think if you have an NASB, uh, New American Standard, it says man. And, and uh, EVS and I think NIV both say anyone. Uh, I think man is the better translation for a number of reasons. It would be hard for a woman, following verses, uh, to be the husband of one wife. But I don't know. I, now that I reconsider what's going on today, you know. Uh, but, it, but biblically, let's just stay there. Uh, it would be hard for a woman to be the husband of one wife, a one-woman man, or the head of a household, which certainly wasn't true in that day. And then also... Um, Paul, that's verse 6, 5 and 6. Also, Paul just finished saying in chapter 2, verse 12, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Uh, he, and he refers back to the creation order. Some would say that's cultural, but that's not true. Paul refers back to the creation order of Adam first and then Eve to make his point. Uh, so elders are called to teach and therefore must be men. That is, that is uh, we are not being sexist there. We are being obedient there. God has an authority structure. Well, let me ask you this. Are men and women equal in the eyes of God? Yes. Of course they are, but they have differing roles, uh, and God has established roles. Um, the son has a role that's subject to the father. Uh, it's, we see it in the Trinity. The roles are different, and the same is true in the family, and God has established the family for the husband to be the head, and the wife to be the one in submission to the husband who is following the Lord. She doesn't have to submit to a man who's sinning or causing her to sin, of course. Um, and the same is true in the church. The husband, uh, the, the men are to lead and the rest are to follow. Um, and there are, we do allow women to teach women. Obviously, we have women's Bible studies. Um, but we're, we're trying to be biblical here. That's our, that's our goal. Okay, so two, he must be above reproach. Now, this is kind of an umbrella term. Um, it, it, it covers a lot of ground here. Uh, under this umbrella, we must be above reproach. The rest of the character traits fall under this umbrella. Uh, this refers to a man whose life has not been marred by some obvious sinful defect in character that would preclude him setting the highest standard for godly conduct. Obviously, this does not mean the man does not sin. Amen, Lynn? Uh, but, he, but that he takes his sin very seriously and deals with it, hopefully, immediately. Um, if Lynn confronts me, hopefully, I'm saying to her, you're right, I'm sorry, that's true. Um, there are some sins that would disqualify uh, an elder from being above reproach, any man from being above reproach, and therefore disqualify him from being an elder. And unfortunately, sexual sin is an all-too-frequently dis frequent disqualifying sin which is why the next character trait is so important. But there are other disqualifying sins as well for a man who's been an elder to have to be uh, step aside. We'll talk about those in just a minute. So the, second, the next one is he must be the husband of one wife or a one-woman man. One of the reasons I did not become an elder is because I was divorced and I really didn't want people to be, have that be a stumbling block to people. We hold to the view here that we're very careful about why people are divorced because we've had... Let's see, let me think. Uh, t just two, Lynn, that have been divorced? Chess and myself? Anybody else? John. John Callum, right. So we've had a divorced men in the past, and, but I was just sensitive to that. I didn't want it to be a stumbling block, and I 
I absolutely didn't need the title. I absolutely didn't need the title. So uh, I just waited and waited until our church went through a difficult time, and I thought, okay, Lord, is this the time? Is this the time? And I just said to the guys, if you still want me to be an elder, I'm, I'm open. And, uh, and then um, they put me through uh, the gauntlet, <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and here I am. So, uh, but this, this next one is, he must be the husband of one wife. We translate that, and I think biblically it should be translated this way, a one-woman man. Because this is not a status character. We're not, we're not saying, uh, is he married or is he single? Is he divorced? Is he not? We're saying, what is he like when, to his wife? That, it's a character issue, a one-woman man. This could better be translated a one-woman man, and that's our view. This is not a declaration of status. It's a declaration of character. Is the man solely committed to his wife? That's what we want to know. Is he a flirt? Does he have wandering eyes? Uh, is it obvious to everyone that his commitment is to her and her only? Is that true? And if there's any doubt about that, oh, we're very, very careful. Because that's a, that's, a, that's a sign of a heart issue, right? So obviously, if a man's divorced, like me, there needs to be careful consideration of what happened. Um, because Lynn is my second wife, I was reluctant for many years. It took a long time uh, before I decided, okay, I, you guys have seen enough of me, <laughs> and, and you think it's okay, um, I'm, I'm available. But if they had said no, no, Doug, no, I would have said okay. And I'll, I would have continued doing what I was doing, serving. Uh, already. I think I can tell you uh, with integrity that I love Lynn and I'm solely, solely committed to her and I'm filled with gratitude to be able to say I think that she feels the same way about me. <laughs> yeah. What I say? $20? I paid late. Um, <laughs> oh no, Culver's instead of McDonald's. <laughs> that was it, yeah. All right, the older we get, the more we both realize, Lynn and I, that our time is short. And this is helpful for us, being older. Um, we know we don't have a lot of time left. My dad was 80. Um, that gives me 11 years, three months. Um, that's it. Right? Those of us that are older, um, time is short. But that's a good thing. Lynn and I talk about death all the time. And it's not morbid. It's just really re, um, recalibrating. We don't have much time, Lynn, right? We don't. And we want to value our time. So we don't want to sweat the small stuff. Um, we just want to love each other the way the Bible tells us to. We don't have a lot of time left. And, and so that's what we're trying to do. Um, but that's one woman man. Number four, sober-minded or temperate. Uh, this refers to a man who is alert, watchful, vigilant, uh, clear-headed. He must be a leader who thinks clearly. He's discerning. He must possess the inner strength to refrain from any excess that would dull that alertness, whatever that might be. Um, Self-control uh, refers to a man who's well-disciplined, knows how to correctly order his priorities. He's a person who is serious about spiritual things. He views the world through God's eyes. The realities of the, that the world is lost, disobedient to God, bound for hell, leave little room for frivolity in the ministry. Now, it does not mean he's humorless. You've seen me up here, right? I, I hope I have. I love making jokes. I love having fun. I love, I use humor to lighten situations a lot. Um, but I'm very serious about eternal matters. Very serious. Um, we should be able to laugh, especially at ourselves, primarily, um, and enjoy the kind gifts of God. Um, I don't take myself very seriously. 
but I take God very seriously. And that's the idea. Um, so, I mean, if you saw me dressed during the week, you'd see I don't take myself very seriously. My wife dressed me. What do you think? <laughs> you would not see this except on a Sunday. All right. Um, respectable. Uh, this, uh, this self-controlled man has a respectable life because it is orderly. It's, his well-disciplined mind leads to a well-disciplined life. He's not chaotic, but orderly. Um, now, my memory is getting a little less. I'm, 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 it's not as good as it used to be, so my wife has to help me a little bit. And I've told the guys on the elder board, when you see me drooling on the, during the meetings, just say, Doug, it's time to go. Yeah. Uh, and I, but in some ways I am very serious about that I tell them if you see my memory slipping to the point where you think it's detrimental just tell me I'll go I absolutely will go and I will go with a joyful spirit knowing that the Lord used me when, when he could use me so I'm very serious about that and they know that too so we laugh about it but uh, they've also looked at me as a couple times during the meeting and go we just told you this last week telling you guys I'm just saying you know <laughs> just watch it you know um, hospitable uh, that word literally means to love strangers this man's heart and home are open to all who come in need um, the man's life and home are to be open so that his true character is manifest to all who come there whether friend or stranger he's willing to share what is his and other and with others in a kind and compassionate way and I'll make a couple of comments about Jeremiah and Rich I'm trying to follow their lead. They are two of the most hospitable people, hospitable people I've ever met. Rich opens his home all the time. When he first came here, he had to meet the pastor four times with 30 people in his home just so people could come and meet them. Um, and he opened his home wide. Um, and, and Jeremiah's constantly having people over to their house for dinner um, just to get to know them. And so Lynn and I are trying to follow that lead. Um, they are really hospitable folks, both of them. All right, able to teach. This man must be a skilled teacher, able to convey biblical truth in an understandable way. You want to see if a man can convey hard biblical truth to kids? Go watch him in the, in the student area and see if he's able to take these concepts and make them clearly understood to those kids. That's a good, um, a good way to judge whether or not this guy is able to teach. He knows it well enough to lower it a little bit, not to, not to diminish the doctrinal integrity, but to make it understandable. Teaching and preaching are the primary tasks of an elder. He must have a workable knowledge of the Bible. He must have strong courage, consistent convictions. Uh, able to teach, by the way, is a qualification, the only qualification, um, not necessary for a deacon. A deacon does all these other quality uh, traits are, are for deacons as well, for all of us, really, all of us. But the men in leadership must, must excel in these areas. Uh, not given to drunkenness is another one. ESV says not a drunkard. That seems obvious, but um, got to be said, this man must not have a reputation as a drinker. This does not mean that a man who's an elder can't have an occasional glass of wine or beer. He's careful about causing anyone to stumble, as should we all. Uh, I came from an alcoholic home. I kind of have an aversion to it, uh, but I didn't want to uh, impose that on other people. Um, if a guy that I'm with uh, likes a beer, I'm gonna, he can have a beer. If I see him getting a little tipsy, that's a whole other story, right? The young kids always used to ask me, what's the line with alcohol? I'd say, well, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, 
but be filled with the Spirit. So if the drinking is causing you to lose some self-control where the Spirit can't control you, then you've crossed the line. So that means tipsy crosses the line. You, you've, you've lost some self-control. So you got to be very, very careful there. Um, so a glass of wine at a meal because you enjoy it is fine. I, we don't have any problem with that. Some of you could handle two or three of those without a problem. But most of you know that at some point you're going to oh, I'm getting a little bit tipsy. You've lost self-control. You've lost self-control. So that's why the Bible juxtaposes drunkenness with um, what the Spirit controls you. That's in Ephesians 5, um, 18 and 19, I believe. All right. So not given over to a lot of drinking. Now, um, an elder must exercise self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit. When any legal substance affects that self-control, any legal substance, obviously illegal, that's off the table. Uh, you're violating uh, another command of not obeying your government. Um, so if it's illegal, um, like it was, uh, marijuana was, prior to what, a couple years ago, if it's illegal, then obviously that's off the table. That's not even a discussion. We're not, that's no. As a Christian, no. But if it's legal, like drinking and marijuana, then the same, what I just said, applies. Uh, if, it's, um, if it's affecting your self-control in any way, no. No, and that's true for an elder. Uh, medicinal substances for health conditions obviously may be the exception here. Um, Don't smoke pot around me. What's that? Don't smoke pot around me. Yeah, right. I'm an ex-drug addict, so. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Major. Yeah. Major, major, So you major. have a little PTSD with that, too, and as I do with around alcohol because of my dad. Um, right. Uh, so, I mean, we've seen the damage, right? But we're talking here about where, where can you go. And for an elder, um, I, I don't drink at all. Uh, if somebody has wine at the table, I might take a sip. If they've offered it to us at dinner, I don't want to offend them. Um, but I tend not to because I never liked it, ever. Uh, the only time I drank was in high, well, college, and it was for one reason, one reason only, to get drunk. That was it. I didn't like it. In fact, I held my nose. I threw my head back. I hated it. Um, but I wanted to get drunk. Um, and that's not true anymore. Yeah. Praise the Lord, right? Yeah. Um, so that I hope that is clear. Um, not a bully. Isn't that interesting? Um, NIV and ESV says not violent, um, but gentle. Um, maybe some of you come from a church where um, the leader, is uh, his voice raises really fast, and he starts yelling. I've not been in a church like that. Have any of you? Good. That's good. But I've heard a leader in the church must not be one who reacts to difficulty with physical violence. I should put a duh there, but it, it does happen. Um, the word here literally means not a giver of blows. <laughs> no, you will listen to me. Not good. <laughs> yeah. Over the line. Uh, uh, he's not a striker. Uh, indeed, the leader must be gentle, that is, considerate, forbearing, gracious. He, must, he does not keep a list of wrongs or hold a grudge. Um, sometimes we hurt each other's feelings on the elder board, and most of us are really sensitive to that. Where um, I've had, I'm one of the guys call me on the way home. He says, "Hey, hey, 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 hey. If what I said offended you, and I could see where it could, I hope you'll forgive me. Will you forgive me? Of course. Frankly, I didn't give it a second thought. But thank you for the call. I really appreciate that. There's that sensitivity. That's really great. All right. 
not a lover of money, and the leader must never be in it for the money. This would eliminate almost every prosperity gospel teacher out there, everyone. They're in it for the money, whether they say it or not. First Timothy 6, Paul reminds his readers that godliness with contentment is great gain. He warns about what happens when someone loves money, and many preachers have fallen here because of greed. Um, uh, I, you remember, I'm dating myself, but Jim Baker, uh, how he, the whole system he built collapsed because it was uh, like a, a pyramid scheme, and it was all based on money. And he went to uh, jail, came out, wrote a book called I Was Wrong. I went, okay, great, but I don't know, he's right back at it. So uh, here at NCC, a very small number of people are aware of who gives what. Uh, and that's only for accounting purposes. Most of the elders are unaware of the giving, including Rich. We protect him from that. I don't know. Um, Jeremiah does. He's the administrative pastor. Uh, and there's one other person that knows uh, who gives what. And what, what would be the reason for that? What's that? Taxes. Well, they got to know for taxes. Why would we keep others from Good knowing? Good stewardship. Good stewardship is a good reason why. Bias. Hmm? Bias. Bias. Absolutely. Favoritism. Mm -hmm. Oh, here, here comes Joe. He, hey, I, he gave $10,000 last week. Hey, Joe, it's so good to see you. <laughs> and the guy right behind him who, who only gave 10 is, you know, walking in like this. You're like, hey, yeah, yeah, there's the door. Joe, it's so good to see you. How are you? <laughs> Don't think it doesn't happen. It does. We, it does all the time. Um, so we're, we try to be very careful about protecting uh, us from that kind of bias. I want, I want to treat people who walk through those doors, whether they give $0 or $100,000, the same. Yeah, Eva? Side note, I'm probably not directing you to go, but we haven't been a member for so long. We've been loved like we're members. Oh. Um, that's different. That's not money, but I, I would say you all as elders, even though you're not overseeing us because we're not members, you've extended love and kindness to us. Well, Does that make sense? Yeah, and there's a reason for that. Amen. We love you. <laughs> that's the reason. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you. That's a very because sweet that comment. A, that's not biased, but yeah. if people never become members, I think we need to be encouraged to be members. Yeah. I think that's healthy, good, right? Um, but I've been grateful that I've been loved regardless of whether I'm a member. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. Yeah, we do know that as the church grows, uh, our focus, because we are accountable for the people who have committed themselves to us, is on them. <laughs> So, for instance, if there was a church discipline issue that we had to really go deep into some family matters, and there's three of them, and two of them are members and one isn't, and we only have so, I mentioned this in the first uh, class, we only have so much bandwidth that we, we can't go any further than that. We're going to focus on those two and tell the others, we're not neglecting you, we just need to focus on these folks because we're going to answer to God for them. So far, you have not committed yourself to us. I know that sounds harsh. It's just a practical reality. It's just a practical reality. It hasn't happened yet to where we've had to neglect somebody for that reason, but I could certainly see it. Uh, pray, pray that the Lord raises up more elders. We have some in the cooker, so to speak, uh, but it's a process. It just takes time, and there's no rushing. As I said before, the worst thing you can do is rush that. Rush it and you, to your peril. So we're trying really hard. Um, all right, and the other thing is uh, you want to you know if the person regarding money, if they're willing, it's not, money is not the issue. 
It's not the issue. It's the love of it and what you do with it. So um, as long as you're generous, as uh, 1 Timothy 6, I believe it's 1 Timothy 6, 18, Paul says, after he talks about don't love money, he goes into this in 1 Timothy 6, 18. He says, instruct those who are rich in this world. He doesn't say to give it all away. He says to be generous, to be generous. So um, that it's not, money is not the issue. It's the love of it. And we want to see if the person who is a prospective elder um, is generous. You know, are they, do they have an open hand? Or are they greedy? Can you see that in the way they operate? And we delve into that stuff. So we try to be, we try to cover all the bases. All right, manage his household well and keep his children under control with all dignity. This is a tough one because we all know pastors whose, some of whose kids, adult kids especially, have walked away from the faith. We'll talk about that in just a minute. An elder must manage his home well. As Paul goes on to say, how he manages his home will be a reflection of how he leads the church. His children must be under his servant leadership authority and are not, as Titus 1 puts it, wild and disobedient. Um, not perfect kids, but respectful kids, typically obedient. That's what we're looking for. Not perfect, obviously. Um, we don't want to put our pastor's kids in a little bu bubble and say, you know, none of that. We, they're running around. They're running around just like all of the kids. But if they're doing something wrong, I, I watched um, uh, a little Will the other day. Uh, Michelle said, now, Will, um, did you say you were sorry? You, you need to say you're sorry. No. <laughs> that little boy <laughs> he's got a will will has a will <laughs> Michelle said Will you will say you're sorry because you did something to that person lip starts quivering you can see that little pride wall going up you know <laughs> as Rich said you know they are rebels that need to be broken and it's true every one of your kids are rebels that need to be broken because um, that's what the Bible teaches and finally I'm sorry. And it was just, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for a kid that's perfectly obedient, but we're looking for a parent that knows how to manage that, that child. And that's what we're looking for. Okay. Um, and then uh, the believing children could be translated faithful or trustworthy, um, which is what, where we would hold. We want to know how this man governs his family, not what his adult children decide when they're out of the house. Um, that we don't hold our men accountable for. Linda and I have six kids between us. As far as we can tell, I mean eight, sorry. As far as we get, yeah, Linda's like, wait. Yeah, right. Or two, I'd like to, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have eight, and uh, six, we believe, are born again. Um, so the church would not say, well, you have two that aren't, so therefore you're done. But they made these decisions uh, late in life, and, you know, we pray for them. But that's not, some, that's not a standard that we would hold. Um, otherwise, very few pastors these days, because the culture is so bad and so influential, would, would qualify. Now, a lot of times their, their kids walk away toward the end for whatever reasons, love of sin, whatever. All right, not a new convert uh, lest he become puffed up or conceited. Goodness gracious. Um, I just looked at the clock. Is Chris here? Not yet. Um, so, preferably, uh, you don't want to lay hands on a, on a young man who uh, has not had maturity. I, I consider Rich to be a, 
a 50-year-old pastor in a 37-year-old body. Uh, he's got tremendous maturity, le leadership skills off the charts, but he's been trained really well. Uh, he had a father and a grandfather both in the ministry. He saw it firsthand. He trained under MacArthur for a dozen years, uh, saw leadership. Um, and so it's not the fact that they're young, it's that they're not a new convert because you're susceptible to pride. I got this. I got this Christian life stuff. Um, I personally had years to learn from the Bible in my own life that I'm a mess apart from the Spirit of God. I know that. Um, that's really ingrained in me. I need Him desperately. Um, one of my favorite songs that we sing is, I need you, oh, I need... I cannot sing that song without crying. I can't, because it's true. Um, a, a young convert might go, yeah, whatever. Uh, I don't really, I got this. I got, I'm, I got the Christianity by the tail. Um, this is easy. Uh, a man who wants to be an elder understands his desperate need for Christ. Uh, 15, he must have a good reputation among those on the outside. Uh, years ago, that, you know, um, we want to we do the best we can to figure that out. Years ago, I was accused of um, sexual advances by a, a lady who was a little off mentally. Um, and I was told by my boss that this lady accused me that a postal inspector came to her and said this. So she went right to the top to tell. And, um, and I said, well, how did you handle that? And she said, I was on the phone with the postal inspector, and I wanted her to hear me laugh out loud. I wanted her to hear that, because then I said, I know, Doug, that is a vicious lie. That's, that's the kind of, I'd known her long enough, I, I thanked her profusely for that, because it was a wicked lie. Um, and it could have really messed me up at work, but um, she, she, because uh, she knew me, and knew that that was not even remotely in my DNA, that that was not true. That's what you want. You want that kind of a reputation, um, hopefully. Um, lead by example, uh, not, not by domineering over those in your care. Um, you know, you don't want a guy that says, my way or the highway. Um, yeah, it's not good. Uh, tied it, I pulled that from 1 Peter 5. The, the elder is not to sinfully dominate others, lord it over them. An important side note on accountability, we do this with the elders all the time. That's, that's enough for the character, but uh, I think I mentioned this to you. It's important to mention again, we pair off. Jeremiah is my guy this week or this month. Jeremiah, how's your, how's your marriage? How is your purity? Have you looked at anything you shouldn't? And um, the third one is how's your devotional life? And on the marriage one, I say, um, on a, one, a scale of one to 10, what would you give it? He said, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go seven and a half. I said, what would Courtney give it? Uh, I think she'd do the same, maybe even higher. So I'll ask her. Courtney and Courtney will say, oh, eight and a half. Nobody's a ten. If you make a ten, you're Jesus. You're not ten. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking for the high, you know, the upper high area. Yeah. Um, all right. So we do that. I want you to know that we we want everybody to be holding each other accountable. What we start at the top. Uh, so, members' response to qualified elders, in becoming a member of New Community Church, we're asking you to accept this model of leadership and commit yourself to being led by the elders. That's what we're asking. If you want to be a member here, we're asking you to commit to that uh, way of being governed. Um, uh, we read this verse in the first class, of Hebrews 13, 17. This is the one that keeps me awake. Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with grief. 
for that would be unprofitable for you. That's the end of the verse. And it also causes us to lose sleep. So <laughs> do it, do it, let us do it with joy. Um, we do care about your spiritual welfare. We'll be praying for you, talking with you, helping you move towards Christ's likeness. That's what we want. And why do we do that? Because we love Christ. And we love the church for which he died. And that means we love you. Uh, this is his kingdom uh, manifested in this little local body called New Community Church. And we've been placed over it uh, to draw you more to Christ's likeness, to love you more, and we do it because of our love for Christ, right? That's why we do it. The elders in a church are serving at the bidding of the Lord of the church in order to honor Christ. We, we, we should, you should be honoring us. I know it sounds so self-serving, but um, that, that's what the Lord commands of you. Uh, as long as we're following him, uh, we ask you not to grumble, criticize, uh, make our work difficult. Uh, obviously, obviously, if there's a problem you have with one of us, we ask you to do it the biblical way. You come to us one-on-one, -on -one, Matthew 18. Talk to us. If you don't get satisfaction there, then you have to expand that circle, just like we talked about last week. Um, and we would ask you not gossip or receive gossip concerning the elders. We encourage our members to come directly to us. So hopefully you'll do that. I know it seems hard. I think all of us are very approachable. Uh, I, I'm, I certainly try to be very, very approachable. Somebody comes to me with a problem, I, 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 I say, well, if it's big enough, uh, we can go do it over an egg McMuffin. Uh, you can tell me anything you like, as long as I have an egg McMuffin in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> How to deal with a sinning elder. All right, that is a problem. If there is a sinning elder, the Bible says, 1 Timothy 5.19, um, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. There are spurious accusations given all the time about elders it happens in every church but if there's something that is uh, that two or three people have said yeah I've seen the same thing then that's an issue and this command protects an elder from spurious accusations but it re requires two or three witnesses to bring the charge if the charge is proven true after examination then church discipline is necessary it's rough um, including removal from the church of an elder uh, if he no longer meets the qualifications and it's to be announced in front of everybody um, because this man has uh, damaged the church through his sin. Um, that's tough. Um, potential removal from the church, uh, of course, occurs if the sin is ongoing and there's no repentance. Uh, so we're not telling the guy to get out if he's repented. But there are some things that will disqualify him. And uh, uh, I'll talk about that in just a second. Um, the deacon, deacon, same thing with the deacon. Everything's the same. Hey, Chris, um, this is our picture guy. Uh, everything is the same except, except teaching. Not a necessary qualification for being a deacon. Um, uh, we, but everything else we hold to. Um, we also try to appoint our deacons over certain ministries, like Ethan Keller is over worship. Uh, makes sense, right? Um, that's what he does. That's his passion. Um, other guys uh, are in construction, and so they're uh, over the building um, and the maintenance problems of the building. So we try to apply those men so they're not just, you know, guys that are glorified opening closers of the church, that they really do have jobs and they really do work. Um, all right, biblical qualifications for a deacon, we've already mentioned all of those. Um, 
Okay, uh, one other interesting but minor difference in a deacon. It's so, it's so weird that this is not mentioned for elders, but deacons, but it's certainly true of a deacon, of an elder. Uh, they're admonished uh, not to be insincere or double tongue. Interesting. Um, uh, I'm, I didn't write the reference on that. I, I think it's, shoot, I usually have the reference written. I don't, but I found it to be interesting that that was not mentioned among uh, elders, but um, it should be evident. And in fact, again, all of the things that I just said about the qualifications for an elder are true for all of us in terms of just quality of character. It's Christ-likeness. That's what we're looking for, right? All right. Um, additional qualities uh, for deep qualifications. Everything I said about a de uh, an elder, got to be a, a member for at least a year, um, um, has to hold to the primary doctrines of the church, uh, must be serving in an exemplary manner uh, in the church. Uh, we're not going to slap a title on somebody who's not already doing the work. Uh, the title is just a, a, a little sidebar. Um, an elder is already doing elder work when we give them that title. We've already, everybody's seen it, all right? Uh, same with deacons. Um, so we do the same thing, we appoint them, but they're affirmed by the congregation in this very similar manner, uh, manner of the, as, as the elders. Um, so here's your commitments to us. We're asking you to do this. Allow yourself to be led. Allow yourself to be led. Um, and of course, that, that involves a level of trust from you to us. We, we understand that. Trust is huge, and it can be broken just like that. So we're trying, we try careful to, we're carefully building trust among our people. And we are trustworthy. Uh, we know that if we mess that up, it's, it can be lost and hard to get back. So, but if you trust us, allow us to lead you. And then hold us accountable. Hold us accountable. If you find an elder in sin, then you can bring it to that person and, and with two or three witnesses. It's a little different uh, because of the spurious accusations. All right, and honor your elders um, uh, in, in as many ways as you can. We try to pay our elders well, our, especially our staff pastors. We really do. Um, so we're careful about that. And then one final thing that we do that I think will be a, an encouragement to your heart. We, uh, we give our staff pastors sabbaticals. Once every quarter, we allow them to, to, we give them a stipend and say, go have fun with your wife, go have fun with your family. You don't have to come to church. Rich always does. He says, I love my church. I want to be here. Even on the days where he's on sabbatical, he's here. Um, but we, we don't require that. The reason we do this is because pastoral burnout is so common. And especially among the wives, they, they have nothing to look forward to. They're always, their man is always gone. But if they know that four times a year, they've got, Courtney's got Jeremiah, Michelle's got Rich, and they're going somewhere fun, lighthearted, it's just a refreshment to them. Uh, one of the elders years ago came up with this idea, and I've not heard it implemented in any other church, but every pastor I have ever talked to said, oh, how I wish my church did that. Well, we do that here because we value these men. We don't want them burning out. We don't want their wives burning out. We care about that. Any questions? I okay. Do, I do, Question. It, yes. It will take. I do, but the answer is going to take too long. So I'll we'll ask talk you later. Yeah. Um, Chris is in the back. If you want your picture taken for the directory, he's here to do that. He'll be here for the next two Sundays as well. Is that? Okay. And he can also help you guys with the church app. They're not signed up. 
so you can help we them are. with that. On the computer, I have oh, the... You do? I, I am plugged into the church on the okay. computer. Okay. All right. So no further questions. Let me close with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this time. Uh, please uh, empower Rich to preach powerfully. I know he's already preached once. I know he tweaks sometimes in between services. Uh, help him to do that well. And Lord, help us to be really, really good listeners. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. See you next week.